0: Hello, listeners. It's episode 38 of Playing It Wrong. What's this episode about? Uh, surprises. I've got all sorts of surprises. Okay, yeah, I'm going to talk about, uh, okay, yeah, well actually we're going to talk about uh, Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells from Old school Publishing. We're going to talk about some Old school stuff from the little brown books like we usually do, and we're going to do call-in, and yes, I have a s- live studio audience of two dogs, and we have some dough rising in the office homemade cinnamon rolls, ha ha ha. But y'all probably don't care about that right now. So let me get on to the meat of this episode. So what do we got for technical notes? Well, uh, MeWe just uh, released pages, and I haven't decided if I'm going to do one or not. According to their facts, that eventually it will be like one ninety nine a month, but I don't know if that's going to change. And I don't know if where that's going, and I don't know if it'll do me any good. Speaking of any good, I, for many, many, many months we're actually, okay, for most of the year I haven't really paid attention to any blog stats or anything. But I did this last month, and an odd thing happened. I had more listens on this podcast than I did uh, blog hits, which I guess i blame on me for not blogging that much. But, you know, I'm not one of those folks that likes to just throw up a post every day, regardless. And I really don't have that much to say. I just, I want the blog to be more about crunchy stuff. And this was even more reinforced when, of course, today I got the, uh, hey, here's your bell for hosting. So, like, at the end of every year, I'm going to do a lot of soul-searching, planning, and... <coughs> For 2019, and you know, I keep saying it's going to be a better year. And eh, one of these times, I'm probably going to be right because this last year, last two years have been kind of lots of personal ups and downs. So, but you don't care about my personal life, and that's not what I'm here to talk about. Here to talk about game. I got call-ins on two topics. Uh, one, the uh, hit locations in Blackmore, and the other one is me talking about BX Essentials. And we're going to start off with the hit locations call-ins from Larry Hamilton and Follow Me and Die, and DM Dad.
1: Hey, check the slur with follow me and die. Thanks for the shout out and thanks for shouting out about my Patreon. I really appreciate that. You're talking about the hit locations that is reminiscent of what is known as the rule of nines. Anybody that's ever been an EMT or paramedic or an other healthcare professional knows about the rule of nines. And it's what is used to calculate the approximate percentage of the surface area of the body. It has been burned, so when they say X percent burns, that's how much of your body. And each arm is 9%, your leg is 18%, the front of your torso is 18%, the back of your torso is 18%, each leg is 18%, and your head is 9%, which is 99 and then the groin is 1%. Uh, I wrote an article about that on my blog way back when,
2: so just a little... Hey Chuck, uh, DM Dad here. Yeah, hit locations in the Blackmore supplement. What a nightmare. They cannot have play tested that before they wrote it down. It's, it's, they must have just said this sounds like it might work. Yeah, let's do it. Um I, I hate called shots personally, but uh, Dark Places and Demogorgons has a, a pretty good mechanic for it, which if you want to make a called shot, take a negative three penalty to your attack roll. And considering that like Swords and Wizardry only gives you a negative four for an invisible opponent, I think that's a pretty good handicap. The other thing is I don't give the called shot any particular effect unless they were really trying to do something like Blind somebody so that they couldn't use a like a confusion gaze or something like that hey chuck it's dm dad again um i guess just to weigh in on bx essentials i think the short answer is you probably don't need it if you've got other bx clones um what you get what you're gonna have to do is you're gonna have to think about does bx give you the things that you want that you don't get from the other ones it's closer to the the original bx rules so if you don't want changes to the rule set then bx is good it only uses descending armor class and you said you were a fan of ascending armor class you might want to stay away from it from that perspective um the other great thing about it is the layout and the presentation um, so if you if you want all those individual booklets and you only take with you what you need, then that's cool. But it seems to me that if you have Labyrinth Lord and the other major BX clones, you probably don't actually need it.
0: And that was both Larry Hamilton with follow me and I and DM Dad. I threw in DM Dad's extra comment about BX Essentials to make it a little easier on myself this Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I've had some other discussions with other folks on Miwi on BX Essentials. I went ahead and downloaded the free RTF files that uh, Gavin Norman has provided and I'm looking over it and I'm thinking more than likely for hard copies, I'll probably at least get the spell book and I'm still debating on the the classes book, I also want to wait and see what he does with the advanced classes with the illusionist and the druid I think are going to be in there, especially those spell books because the notes on his blog about the illusionist look really, really cool. So I can't wait for those to come out. And which means I'm probably going to do that and go ahead and order a couple of those books sometime when I get around to it. So there goes some money that way. Moving right along to the main meat of this episode which is Solar Blades and Cosmic Spells by Old School, Bu- Old, School Old School Publishing. I always screw that up. I am so sorry about that. So if you followed along on the podcast for any time or on the blog for any time you know I'm a big fan of sharp, spell, sharp spells, I screw that up all the time, sharp swords and sinister spells. This is the sci-fi first cousin to that, so if you're familiar with that, it's the same basic system. If you're not familiar with it, it's the same basic system as Black Hack. If you're still not familiar with that, it's basically a roll under with some extra stuff thrown in. But let me talk about this one specifically. It's definitely cool, cool, cool. Now, the author's been putting out uh, the text files as he's working on it, it's getting close to being done. It was originally an uh, Indiegogo project, and the preliminary PDF has been kind of released into the semi-wild. And it should be going up probably a couple weeks, maybe a month, who knows, something like that. But, but soon, 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 along with hard copies probably shortly following, available on one bookshelf, and probably Lulu like I said, at the beginning, it's, it's it's sort of a sci-fi game, and with every sci-fi RPG comes in a pl- an implied setting, or the setting in some cases. I mean, I mean, you really can't play Star Wars with the Star Trek RPG, and you're not going to take the Firefly RPG and play Imperial 40K Marines with it. It just doesn't work because things in the setting become part of the rules. So, when something comes along that's kind of an off-kilter setting, that's not something that's you know, the mainstay, I really like it. And this one, I, I think he calls it in the very first uh, introduction of star and sorcery. So you end up with this blend of science fiction, space opera, so space opera, space opera. Yeah, I'm mediocre. Get over it. Uh, space opera. I'm going to throw in Sword and Planet, even though he didn't mention it, but post-apocalyptic, and so on. For me, I could put it into two copyrighted words. Heavy metal. It's the look of the art. It's the feel of the game. So let me go into a little bit to the game. Uh, Like I said, if you're familiar with Black Hack or Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, you already know the basic system. So, four stats, 3d6, roll under, um... In this game, concept, a character concept, is very much how you determine your skills. Think of it like occupations in DCC, except a little broader and more adventurer-related. Definite vague building and old-school rules-light way of doing alien races, and the skills, like I just mentioned, make it a fast, fun game. The four classes are the tough, the nimble, the spart, and the gifted. So you've got your muscle, your your fast little nimble thiefy type, your smart guy, and your guy who uses weird space psionic sorcery type stuff. Now, one thing that is different: the weapons instead of using your all your dice, it takes a approach similar to White Box and uses only d sixes. d six minus one, d six, d six plus one. Makes it a little easier. And in this case, if you're familiar with sharp swords and sinister for spells armor works as reducing the die type of the damage in this armor only works as damage reduction. Uh, your base I was talking about something I talk about more. Your base equipment is kind of like your standard stuff, but it also moves into advanced technology equipment, which to put it in, in most common simplest terms, it's sort of like the magic stuff or the really heavy sci-fi boom bang stuff like powered armor and really big guns that can blow holes through walls, which Let's face it, you don't want your player characters starting out with that. they got to earn it. Now, I'm not going to go over the whole entire rulebook here, because uh, when it comes out, sure I think it's still going to be pay what you want, like sharp swords and sinister spells. But I do want to go over in this podcast a few of the things that make it interesting and unique. One, there's psychic abilities and sorcery, but these are the same abilities with different consequences for failure in the same basic mechanic. But it's another one of those just little tweaks old school tweak if you will that makes this this is explaining the setting of how wild and crazy and gonzo it's going to be i mean you even have crazy artifacts and that is my alarm to go check the fire for the ribs yes we're having ribs for dinner tonight you get all this personal information in the podcast you're not even asking for it ah there we go yes and i know i'm rambling on this episode because like i said there was another product i was going to talk about but this came in at the last minute and i just think it's so cool and there the dogs go they're barking they're barking (coughs) No, hush. Help daddy. Help daddy in here. Stop. And that is what you get with this podcast. Rambling, stream of conscious reviews, dogs doing crazy stuff, alarms going off, because life happens 24-7, whether you're trying to do a podcast, play a game, or have a life. You know what I mean. All right, back on track. All right, anyway. For me, there's one key thing In any science fiction game, no matter which genre or, I don't say genre, but we'll say um, universe, yeah. Whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars, Firefly, or its own universe, or any so-called generic science fiction games. There's one place where practically every single game dies for me, and that is ship-to-ship combat. The only ones that I've liked, I've liked Savage Worlds, and I've liked the D6 Star Wars. And for a while I had a fondness for the old fastest Star Trek for a party, but it really is complicated, and they literally did publish it as its own game. But, either Starship Combat becomes so abstract that it's kind of useless and doesn't get the thrill of what you see in the movies, the cinematic thrill, or it's so tactical it becomes its own game. (coughs) But I think what the what we've done here, what we, like I helped, no, um, what uh, Geogo has done with this game is it works basically the same as character combat with basically renamed stats for ships. Okay, it's very similar to the Star Wars Saga Edition where it kind of works the same. And from my experience running Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells, you can do very much a theater of a mind with this game, and you can do it that way with good Active descriptions of the starship combat and everything else, and like all the other games, um, it has a huge—and for this one, I mean, really, really huge—section of random charts and tables, which you could use for any sci-fi, sci-fantasy, sci-heavy metal game that you want to run. So, those alone are worth the price of a mission, and it's got a, of course, an, an antagonist or monster section. And, of course, a section on optional or extra rules. Of course, you could just also take stuff from sharp swords and sinister spells and it's addendum and use it, too. Uh So after listening to my mediocre rambling, let me get to the meat of it. Do I recommend this game? Hells yes! Get a copy as soon as it comes out. As soon as I can get a hard copy of this thing, I want it in my hot little hands. Um, To put it completely bluntly, this is the game that I wish uh, Machinations of the Space Princess was. Even though it was close, even though I might use some tables from that old game as inspiration, this is what I've been looking for for a crazy gonzo space opera that I wanted to do. Even though I've done it with Savage World, and I promised my people I would go back to it, but if we're going back, we're going back with these rules. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, James Bond. This has just replaced replaced White Star on my shelf for favoritist sci-fi game. I'm sorry. But hey, us gamers are a fickle lot. So come back next week for my other review that I was going to do this week that is going to be much more thought off and thought off, thought out and less rambly. And now it's time for reading from the Ancient Tomes of Wisdom. So what am I going to read you today from the Ancient Tomes of Wisdom? I am going to bring forth one of the most You know, that iconic monster in D&D, the Beholder, from Supplement 1, Greyhawk, which happens to be one of my favorite D&D books ever. I should do a whole episode on this supplement. Anyway, Beholders. They're also known as spheres of many eyes, or eye tyrants. And about three feet in diameter, okay. Let's get into the stats. The body has 40 hit points, each eye stock 10 points, and the central eye 20 points. So each eye stock. And there are bunches of eye stocks so that's lots and lots of hit points. Now, it also has the armor class for the body is zero. So remember, going in reverse AC, that's like 21 or so. Um, the eye stocks are two, which, going back to old school, that would um, r- that'd be old school descending armor class. That's what it's freaking called. That's plate mail and the eyes proper have an armor class of 7, which is weather. Each eye functioning is a different matter. From 1 to 4, or of the small eyes are able to function at a time. So it does 1 to 4 attacks at a time. So what do they do? We've got Charm Person, Charm Monster, Sleep, Telekinesis, Flesh to Stone, Disintegrate, Fear, Slow, Serious Wound, Death Ray, Anti-Magic. Now the one interesting thing at the end of this it says they're neutral in nature although they tend to be chaotic so beholders may not have been evil all the time it's also interesting if you're looking at the month's uh, monster reference table for beholders it's number appearing one armor class four slash two move three inches hit die special because it's got the special amount of hit points remember that thing's got, like, 40 hit points on its main body, so, yeah, you get the lowdown low on that, and those rays start going off, yeah, things are going to be bad. And at first glance, yeah, it doesn't seem as nasty as, you know, 3rd edition and later versions of the Beholder, but originally, remember, we had lower hit points, save or die, and there are lots of save or die effects. And some of those yeah there's no save it just just die so yeah it is the uh, one of those iconic monsters that really deserves a lot more respect and defeating one should be an epic story not just time yeah uh, we ran across the beholder and we beat it no it should be oh shit we ran across the beholder and we barely survived but we beat it and i think there's l- not enough of that a lot of times no more Not that many, crap, there we are, but hey, we pulled it out by the skin of our teeth. Alright, so I have rambled on long enough, and this has been one of those episodes that's been totally unprepared, totally interrupted, totally mediocre, and totally rambling, but that's our format, rambling, mediocre, and well, real life, stream of conscious, even though, as you can tell, my conscious isn't that smart. Alright, here's the end credits, subscribe, visit the blog, all that good stuff. Hey, even leave us r- reviews on iTunes. I need to see if there are any there at all. All right, here's the end credits. And thanks for listening. Please visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. That's theymightbegazebos.blog. And the letter B not be spelled out. Or visit us on Facebook and just search for they might be gazebos. Ask us questions and you might get an answer. If not, we'll just make up the questions and the answers. Remember, roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun intro music is metal mania by kevin mccloud licensed under creative commons 3.0 attribution license please visit his website at incompetech.com that's incompetech.com really visit it there's also downloadable graph paper and hex paper additional sound effects from freesound.org used under creative commons 1.0 universal license